Really honoured to have Clyde with us today. And this has been arranged by Jamie Boyle. So huge shout out to Jamie. He is a prolific author. He's hooked us up with loads of guests. And in the description box will be a link to his work and Clyde's work. And a link to Clyde's book, Jailhawk. I watched the documentary and these are really impressive birds. So... To give you an idea of what's going to happen today, I'm actually going to read, because it's very impressive, the back of this book. So, 1920s Sheffield was so infested with gangs that it was nicknamed Little Chicago. In 1937, George Orwell wrote, Sheffield could justly claim to be the ugliest town in the world. Cut to Hillsborough, 1960, and a new breed of criminal Clyde Broughton is born into the steel city an early start in petty crime led to time at Borstal football trials at Wednesday and an apprenticeship in crime with the notorious Dave Lee robbery with violence burglary and run-ins with his arch nemesis in CID and the infamous Judge Pickles eventually resulted in a hefty sentence behind bars. Clyde's story sees him travel through the UK prison system where he meets some of the country's most revered faces, including 54 days solitary in Wakefield Prison with the infamous Bobby Maudsley. Jailhawk includes other tales, some humorous from along the way, including his long-time friendship with heavyweight boxer Paul Sykes, trouble at the local gypsy camp, a life-changing machete attack, and I have seen the photos, and he was hacked in his arm, and it's really deep. And an organised hustle filmed by documentary makers entitled Smoking with the Hawk. So... I've also done the audiobooks about Sykes for Jamie. So I've, you know, I, I didn't know much about him, to be honest. Um, but now I've learned a lot. And his story, this larger-than-life character, is absolutely fascinating. So we will be going over some of that Paul Sykes info. And I'll put the links to those audiobooks in the description box as well. A huge thank you for coming on, Clyde. My pleasure. Sheffield, I've... Um, my last talk with Wildman was in Sheffield. We had 150 people, and they kept us behind asking loads of questions, and it was the best atmosphere of any of the talks I've ever done. I absolutely love Sheffield and the people there. So friendly. And um, Wildman had the time of his life on the stage as well. I think it was the only time he got on the stage like that and did, did a proper talk. His spirit is with us today. Yeah. I wish you know, he'd have been here for you to meet him. Yeah, I do as well. Our first guest this week brought him a, a can of Fosters. Mm. So, um, yeah, he's, he's looking over us in the room. So, we like to go back then and go over how you ended up getting into crime. And you told me a bit about your dad earlier on, that he was in the military. Could you explain what he did? Yeah, my dad, uh, he was in Second World War. And he was a chindit. Now, Chindit is somebody who fights in jungles, guerrilla warfare. Uh, he was in Burma, Egypt, Italy. But Burma, where it were, really, and fighting Japanese. Uh, 
I actually saw pictures of him when they couldn't get food supplies and he really dehydrated, lost a hell of a lot of weight. And yeah, his best mate was a Gurkha. Um, when he got blown up uh, in, in Burma, him and his pal got blew up together and they were in opposite beds. And my dad asked the Gurkha guy if he could look at his knife, what he used to use, you know, for whatever purpose. And he said to my dad, if I draw my knife, I have to draw blood. So he goes, so anyway, my dad gave him his hand and he nicked his thumb with it just so he could see his knife. It's crazy, isn't it? I know, yeah. Um, Shout out to the Gurkhas in Aldershot as well, near where I live. I mean, these guys are slender, but they can seriously kick ass. And they did a real service for the country, didn't they? Yeah, and lucky enough, my dad survived that war. Yeah. And he lived to be a ripe old age, uh, 84. Yeah. Yeah. My grandfather, Fred, was left on the battlefield in Tunisia fighting the Nazis. Mm -hmm. And um, he was left for dead. But the Americans rescued him. Yeah, that's how I came into existence was because he survived. <laughs> Thank God for America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, military men then have like a certain discipline. Were you raised in a household with that discipline? Uh, yeah, I had absolutely no problems with my family. My mum and dad, they, were, they never hit me. They never did out like that. If I wanted summer, if they could afford it, they'd get it, man. When he was, he used to be a cold man, my dad, after forces. And every Friday when he got paid, he used to come home to me and my brother and buy us summer every single Friday. He'd buy us some clothes or some toys, you know. Yeah, he was a really good man. How did your mum and dad meet? I ain't got a clue. <laughs> like I know my dad had been married twice uh, and I think his first wife died uh, oh dear but yeah they'd been together years my mum and dad like I, I've, I've got a brother what's 19 years older than me yeah I had a sister what were 13 years older than me mm. so yeah they'd been together quite some time so what was your childhood like and how were you in school Oh, school, I hated it. I hated school. It, like, I didn't mind going for games lessons, P and things like that, but when it come to all else, like maths, oh, like that, uh, I couldn't be asked, and I just decided I weren't bothered and really never went after that. Was this back when it was CSEs and O-levels and that stuff? Yeah, they were all levels. Yeah. Uh, but no GSEs or all like, None of that had come no, about. None of that. Yeah, had it. So you found that you were more inclined to the physical then? I love football. I, like, I, I ended up going, when when I did my second whack of ball stall, there was a scout what came to watch me from uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Really? Yeah, John Harris. And he approached, I, I think the PEI obviously told him that we got somebody from Sheffield yeah. what could play a bit. And Jack Charlton worked manager at Sheffield Wednesday at the time. And I'd only got about three weeks left, so they arranged for me to go down to Hillsborough once I got out wow. and have a trial. Yeah. And what happened there? Well, I did all right in trial, but different kinds of people to me. Like I was like rough and ready, if you like, you know what I mean? And these yeah. other guys, like I'd turn up with a carrier bag 
with my boots in and they'd be turning up like with top track suits on and big Adidas bags and I just felt out in place. So we had saying out, I just walked out and John Harris, he actually saw me and he told me, he said, uh, where are you going, Clyde? And I said, well, I don't think I've done good enough. He goes, well, if it's any consolation to you, Jack Charlton wants to see you tomorrow. Wow. That's what he said to me. Holy shit. I never went. Oh. oh. I know. It was um, one of the biggest mistakes I ever did. Yeah. So what were your friends like as a kid? Yeah. They were all like me, really. Yeah. Like We used to like go about uh, seeing what we could do. Uh, it weren't like today. You know what I mean? Like we used to go out and like we used to, used to do a lot of thieving to be truthful. Uh, that from businesses, shops? When we were kids, like I did my first house burglary when I was 12 years old. What the hell? Yeah. Maybe. Did they send you through the window or something because you are small at 12? It, it was actually comical this when it first <laughs> happened because me and my mates gone to do this house and while we're in it, we've heard a noise. So we've got idid in kitchen. Next minute, this door opens and my mate's brother and his pal have come to do the same house. No! That's true, that. <laughs> they made us sit in kitchen. They went upstairs, turned it over, and then we all left together. <sighs> Did you get a share of the spoils? Well, no, not really. <sighs> like, uh, now we got no it. Not that I can remember. Uh, but yeah, that was the first time I'd ever done all like that. Doing things like that then, did you have a fear of getting caught? What it were, when I was a young lad, my brother, he ended up in a wheelchair. Mm. So my dad had to come out and work and look after him permanently because he had a really, mm. a, a brittle bone disease, it were, and he could hardly move oh, and he had to be fed and things like that. So money were very, very scarce. So I decided after living a few years, well, yeah, a few years from being like six years old as I was growing up, I decided that I didn't want to be in that kind of situation when I've got no money. I need to like do something with myself, whatever it is. Yeah. And I found the thieving burgling get me them things yeah yeah i know it's it's not right but well you only you were a kid i was a kid yeah 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 and at that age then did you just think you were invincible yeah just like having money i always had even like from a kid i had money in my pocket and that was important to me and i made sure like that we were fed at home yeah know what i mean so when you did the burglary then, how did you fence the goods and get, get that into cash? Well, I had different kinds of people. I weren't bothered when I first started burgling about finding money because I knew that whatever goods I found, I had somebody for them goods, whether they were jewellery, videos, televisions, all like that. I knew... I had someday to sell them. So money really didn't really matter because I, I, I knew it was going to come anyway. So you sell them directly to customers? 
straight away I hired somebody for everything. Yeah, you had it all lined up. Yeah, it was all ready. How did it start to go wrong? Right. When I was 12, I, uh, I was obviously a young lad and I was wagging school a lot. I was thieving. And I ended, that, in them days, you had to go like in front of education committee about why you're missing school, your dad were weird and all that. So I ended up in court. They sent me to court <laughs> for wagging school and thieving. Uh, and they sent me to a remand home called Shycliffe. I was only 12 years old. And they used to send you on a three-week assessment. So I did my three-week assessment and then like, I went back to juvenile court. Uh, they let me out because it was my like, first time. So they let me out and not long after, a few weeks later, I'm like really on it now, like thieving properly, out of control. If it weren't bolted down, it would come in with me. It, that's how it were. And uh, I got done for a, a couple of burglaries what I got caught for. So I had to go bike to Shycliffe Remando for a three-week assessment. Went back to court. They put me into care. Uh, they sent me from Shycliffe after a few months to a place on outskirts of Sheffield called Rycroft Glen, which was a children's home. Mm. I stayed there for a bit. What was it like in there? Uh, well... I never got uh, bullied or staff never like tampered with or all like that. This this was a a decent place. If all because they were a a girls' children's home bang across from us, and we used to sneak out and get in bushes and watch them on. <laughs> <laughs> so it was us what were dodgepots, no <laughs> mean as kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, I stayed there a couple of months, which I didn't want to go really because it was easy for visit visits for my mum and dad to come, even though they had our Billy and who were in wheelchair. And from there, I went to a place called Castle Howard, which is about 13 miles on the other side of York. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I ended up staying there for about three years. Uh, kept escaping, uh, going out, burgling. This is while I'm in approved school. Do you know what I mean? I had two partners in crime there. Kevin Bottomley from Mardenroyd and a guy called Ronnie Spencer from Hull. And we used to, well, it weren't escaping, it was just going out, do you know what I mean? And we used to go out and we used to do burglaries and... I once got caught, in fact, I once got out and I'd been walking for about five hours thinking I'm heading away and I ended up back where I started because it was all new to me. I didn't know where it were, do you know what I mean? And I walked round in a big circle and it was night time and I just sneaked back in and got back in bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, but... Little Ronnie Spencer, who I used to do it with, who I used to escape with. I once got, I must have escaped about four or five times, and I always used to seem to get caught. And I take me out off to little Ronnie Spencer. I'm laid in bed, fast asleep, and he's come back to approve school, woke me up, 
and bump we were off again. <laughs> yeah. What did you do with the money that you made? Just went into York and spent it all. Do you know what I mean? We didn't like... There was a time when we did do a good job and I know it sounds a little bit far-fetched like because we were only kids, like we were about 13 years old and it was this house in Westdoor. We've gone up stairs and we've found a little money tin, only that big, 1973. There were two hundred and eighty pound in it. It's a lot back then, and a hell of a lot of receipts. And we went into York. We got bus to York, and we just kitted a sense out. And obviously, like the women, when I look back now, the women who worked at this shop must have thought, right, these aren't. These must be right, little dodgy fuckers. These. So we got this stuff, bought it all, and went and sat on this park. And next minute, busy came and got oh. us. But they got us in a, um, the guy, when we met him, uh, he, he wanted to know where the receipts were. He, he told us, he goes, well, I'm not bothered about the money. Yeah. I want to know where these receipts are. So whatever they were, I don't know. It was something important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was all about burgling then. We used to... I loved it, not just for the sake of uh, getting stuff, but the actual buzz yeah. of doing it. While you were in the car then, you said the three-year period, that's a long time. Did family members visit you? I got. I managed to get, when I was at Castle Howard, I had one visit off my mum. But every three months, they used to let us go home for nine days. And if you were extra good, they'd let you go home at, a, on a weekend and that but I never got weekend visits because I never had anybody to pick me up or yeah. all that but I did get one home leave and my brother died while I were on it oh my goodness yeah he was 18 year old and like he was in a wheelchair and all that and from the degenerative bone thing yeah but they, yeah. they told me mum and dad which I found out later on like that he'd be lucky to see 21 and I was in the same bedroom at the time and not really knowing what was going off, but it did get me yeah. eventually. And then when I've gone back to a proof school and people are finding out, they're starting taking piss and that, do you know what I mean? Mm. And that really did me head in. Then I was just young kids. Cruel little bastards. Yeah. And I um, ended up fighting all the time and running away, running away. Anyway... I ended up getting out when I was 15 years old. So I got in when I was 12, I got out when I was 15. So I'd done like three years. And these are proof schools. The one I were in anyway, like I know people say like that this happened to them, that happened to them, but I must stress that this never went on in our proof school. Good. All this uh, messing about and all that. Yeah. How did you end up in your first Borstal? Well, I did, I did two d detention centres first. Okay. Uh, just same, burgling. Yeah. Burgling, thieving, uh, running into a showboat, nicking tills, <laughs> just crazy, do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I did two detention centres. I did Watton and North, North Sea Camp. 
What was it like going into one of them for your first time ever? Detention centre's the worst place I've ever been. Is it? Yeah, because they said it was like a short, sharp shop. Mm. And I've, 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 we'd be in our dormitory, and at 2 o'clock in the morning, a screw would just come in and make everybody get out of bed and make bed packs and fold your clothes up. And they had to have really... Like like razor blade edges on them and yeah yeah like two o'clock in the morning just doing that and you had to march everywhere mm. and like going on parade square in the morning and freezing cold and like they didn't give a shit about you like if you did so if they caught you doing if they caught you let's say uh, pushing in dinner queue you get filled in <laughs> and some of them were real like. Big men, no, do you know what military I mean? as well. Oh, well, yeah, fucking. Yeah. And they treat you like that. I can remember having my dinner in detention and they used to give you letters out, you know, like, so you could write home yeah. to your parents. And this screw, anchors they called him, one of the biggest men I've ever seen, big ginger. He says, right, this is what you've got to write on your first line. Dear mum and dad, I am okay Everybody in here is fine with me. <sighs> Fucking serious. And next breath, they'll be beating you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what kind of, like, was it like a dorm or cells? How was it structured? Yeah, dormitories. Dormitories. Yeah, dormitories, which were all right. Well, in a, in a sense, it weren't all right, but it were because, like, you could talk to people, but... People used to start fucking about, do you know what I mean? And then screws would hear you and then they'd have you coming in and put you on report and then you're having to scrub big uh, corridors and all that shit for a few nights. Yeah, but detention, I'd say that were the worst place I'd ever been. Was the hierarchy in there? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, um, yeah, there were always somebody trying it on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but... It's like all else, if you stood for it, they'd carry on. If you stopped it, they stopped. Did you have pals in there? Yeah, well, yeah, I had pals. Like I, I, in fact, when I was 15, I used to play for screws at football. <laughs> because I were, like I said, I were a good footballer. And like, when you show it, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had pals in there. Like, but they were just like me, really. They weren't like big ad cases or all like that. We just kept ourselves to ourselves. Yeah. So after two detention centres then, what was the next trouble you got in after that? Borstal. That was Borstal. What was that? Was that for burglaries again? Burglaries. Uh, yeah, burglaries. Uh, do we know what else involved on them? It was just burglaries. Uh, I did Weatherby first. Well, I did Weatherby both times. At, um, What's it like in there? Well, it was an open jail. And for your induction, you had to run round race course. <laughs> but, yeah, fucking hell. But not, not all of it, just so much of it, do you know what I mean? And, but Borstal, yeah, you were all right. There were no problems in there. I think it was nine months to two years. Yeah, I, I just did nine months out in each of them. Got out when I were, I think my second one, about 18. Uh, Did you have many fights in there? Yeah, 
so I met Ronnie Pickering. Well, I met Ronnie Pickering. You've heard of Ronnie Pickering, yeah, haven't you? Yeah. Do you want I, to tell people who Ronnie Pickering is? Uh, Ronnie Pickering is that nutcase <laughs> who got uh, who was in, in his car when the guy on this motorbike pulled up at side room and they started having an argument because Ronnie thought that this guy shouldn't have been passing him on his motorbike. Yeah, Ronnie. He's not like that, really. He's a, I still keep in touch with him now. We're talking to him over day, in fact. He's, a, he's quite a nice kid, but he got famous through being a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I met Ronnie in Castle Howard, and I also did a stretch of Borstal with him. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a nice kid, Ronnie. Uh, when I started getting into serious crime, I was 19 year old. I got done for two burglaries. Uh, one was an oldish contractor house, and one was just this other house, what we've been told about. We got a bit of money out of it and a bit of goods, but I got charged with two burglaries and a robbery. One was a snatch. I, I was in this place, and I got a phone call off my mate telling me that now this is 19 1978 and i got a phone call off my mate telling me a guy had just won 1200 quid in bookies 1200 quid in 1978 were good money when you consider it was only 25 pence a pint so with a fiver you could get 20 pints a lager and this guy had just won 1,200 quid and I got the phone call. So he told me where he was going, down Allison Crescent. So I've come out in this place, just walked straight up to him, smashed him, took his bag and got away. But I shouldn't have done this really because it, it was near where I lived. Mm. And this woman saw me. And I, she grasped me up, went on an ID parade, pointed me out. I also got done for the two burglaries. Uh, so I've got to go to Crown Court. Did they get the money back? Nah. They never got money back, ever. <laughs> never even got goods back. You know what I mean? Uh, so I had to go to Crown Court, and lo and behold, I'm in front of... Judge Pickles. Mm, the hanging judge. Yeah. People over there. <laughs> They'll have heard of Judge Pickles. And for the two burglaries, I got four and a half years. And for the robbery, I got three year consecutive. So I got seven and a half year for that. Uh, and funny enough, that's the biggest sentence I've done. Yeah. Um, so Pickles stacked your charges then. Yeah, my barrister tried for a something like eighteen month, two year. But Pickles, he looked over his glasses. He used to wear them half cut glasses. He just <laughs> looked over at my barrister lie down, just shook his head like. My fucking horse fell through. <laughs> oh, oh. I knew something were coming, but I didn't actually think it was going to give me that much. And yeah, anyway, sentence meant to take him down. So were you in a daze? Yeah, yeah. Because um, I was working with two firms as well at the time. 
uh, and there were quite a few of us in dock. And no, like I was youngest, and I got the big one. Whereas the other fellas, they got like threes, twenty-one months, and but yeah, but I was one of them. Me, I was in the days to start off with, but once I got down and it registered what was happening, I started thinking to myself, "Well, I'm only a young lad. I'll do this, no problem." So I went to Leeds YP on YP wing on D wing. I was there, maybe three or four months and got allocated to a place called Swim for All. Where I Swim for All then was where all the fucking bad YPs go. Like you had to be doing a five stretch to get in there. They had murderers, HMPs, rapists, if you like. Do you know what I mean? And I ended up there. Uh, I was there for two years. And I was Jim Ogler, and the screw said to me, I'll never forget this SO, little fat bastard, he was a lying cunt anyway, I didn't like him. But um, Espidy called him. He says, there's some courses going. I goes, yeah. He goes, anatomy and physiology, if you take it, it'll really help you with your parole. But I was a Mughal prisoner anyway down, at that time. I, I never got nicked or... Did all wrong. I was into my sports, my football. So I thought, right, I'll take it. So anyway, I did my 12 month. I passed it. I got me all level. Uh, so I'm waiting for my parole answer now. And in them days, when you got parole, you got a big sheet of paper like that. If you got a knockback, it was a small piece of paper. So... I'm waiting, I've been waiting now. I think you used to have to wait about four months for your answer. But I know it's any time. And I'm thinking, like, I've got this guy to write me a mitigation art to send to the parole board and all that are really good. And so I'm thinking, yeah, I've got a chance. Old schools are saying, yeah, you've got a chance, you've got a chance. So anyway, I'm in my pad. Door opens, screw stood there. Looked at, I looked at his face like that and I thought, oh, my fucking God. Passed him anywhere, a little piece of paper like that, a straight knot bike. I thought, you <sighs> And I thought, and then that changed me then because I thought, well, I've been a model prisoner. I've tried my best. I've done everything you asked me to. So I just put an application in to see governor. I went to see governor. I said, he said, what can I do for you? Because I want starting up. I want to go with Mesters now, I was like, I've tried my best down here, and I was 21, so there were nobody could do about it. Uh, so anyway, he says, all right, bum, bum, bum. Sent me back to Leeds to wait to go to Liverpool, because Liverpool then were long-term allocation. Uh, went back to Leeds for a bit, then went down to Liverpool on H-Wing. We all big lads. Was there a rivalry with people from Sheffield versus Scousers, anything like that? Uh, Scousers, like, I've, I've got some good mates who are Scousers, you know what I mean? But a lot of them, like, in jail, they weren't, especially in jails up north, didn't really like Scousers up north, you know what I mean? But saying that, I've got a few Scouse mates, so... 
<laughs> there we are in L3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You better say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, um, I ended up going to Walton. Walton, yeah. Walton Jail. I think it's one of the biggest jails in country, isn't it? Five landings are. Yeah. Really big jail. Friends of you, quite a few people have been in Walton. Yeah. Yeah. And what was it like settling in there then? Well, lucky enough, when, when I went on induction first, I had to go in the, like, I was in there for about a week and then they put me on landing. And lucky enough, I got in with a kid from Doncaster who were roughly the same age as me. He was doing a five stretch for a, some gun, some gun or something like He'd done this job and he did this gun. And somebody handed it in and they got his prints off it. So, yeah. Walton, it was all right because, uh, like again, sports. You know what I mean? You could go out and have a game of football there. You used to have like outside football teams coming in who you could play. Yeah. Mm. Any crazy stories? Then anything that you saw? Any anybody getting attacked? Anything like that? Nah, not really. Not in Walton. There, um, I met a few people there, like Delroy Showers. Uh, he's a pal of mine now. We still keep in contact, me and Delroy. Shout out to Michael Showers, who was on the podcast. So if you want to check that out, just scroll down the True Crime Podcast in the description box. Yeah, uh, Delroy was here. A guy called Jimmy Tago. He was a good pal of mine. Uh, David Glover from Newcastle. Couple of Tamses. Uh, Tommy Tams, I think Arthur as well. Yeah. Uh, thing is as well, we're... Long-term allocation. When I was in Walton, nearest dispersal jail to me was Wakefield. Ah. Now, I'm only a young lad. I don't know what Wakefield is. As long as, as far as all I know is it's nearest long-term jail, Sheffield. So Delroy and Jimmy, they kept coming up to me and saying, listen, don't go to that fucking Wakefield. It's full of nonsense. He goes, come to the saying, come to all with us. Everything's sweet. But now I, I wanted my visits and, of course. you know what I mean? So anyway, I spent about eight months in Walton and then I ended up going to Wakefield. So earlier then you said you ended up in Walton because you requested to be starred up. Yeah. Could you explain to people what that means, getting starred up? Starred up is, like, when I went in uh, and then I become 21, that means that I'm eligible to go to the big mal to the big man's jail. Like, under 21, you're classed as a YP. After 21, you're classed as a, a con, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Wakefield, then. Is this where you meet Sykesy? No, I met Sykes. I met Sykes when I was 16 years old. Oh, back when you were 16? Yeah, I met him. My mate Dave Lee, uh, he came out to see me, da mate Dave Lee. And I was working with Dave, like I was doing these burglaries and things like that, and he introduced me to him. Uh, the first time I met Paul would have been in jail, would have been about, well, when I was about, when I first came back from Swim for Noel, to go to Leeds to wait to go to Walton. That was the first time I'd seen him in jail then. So the very first time you ever met him then, what was his reputation? Because perhaps people watching this don't know who he is. Paul Sykes in 1976 was the bollocks. Like proper, 
hardest man I've ever met anyway, by far. Uh, he was a big man, like big, skinny waist, training, yeah, fists, huge, huge fists. And, but I never saw that part in me until later on. Uh, yeah, but when I saw Paul in Leeds, I've met him a couple of times, like when I was younger, and when I saw him in Leeds, walking down landing, I shouted him, Paul, and he knew me straight away, and that, then that was it, like, I've got me a protector, if you like. <laughs> 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 yeah, because I used to train with him as well. We used to do weights together. He used to get me cell opened up, and this was later on. Uh, he used to get me cell opened up, like, instead of going at gym once or maybe twice a week, I was going twice a day, and that was down a pole. Did you see him knock anyone out? Well, what it were with Paul, we came back from gym one day, and we're walking along survey. We hadn't had time to go back to our cells to get put our stuff in, so we've gone straight to survey, and I'd never seen this in any jail before. All the guys, when he started walking along survey. He put the utensil down so he could serve himself. Because he said to him, shall I serve myself? He goes, I don't want to get you in trouble. But if you if you serve me, you've got to put what I want on. So did you, you put it down? And Chief, Chief Screw would be stood at end of thing. But he's fuck. they can't, you know. They can't say to that kid, pick that utensil up. They can't because like say. And anyway, it was a bit embarrassing, really, because when he was feeding his self, his self, and like I'm training with him, whatever he's putting on his tray, he's putting on mine. <laughs> <laughs> Serious. And I used to think to myself, fuck it, you know, like, I hope I go out in this jail before you go out in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And anyway, we get to Duff Park, sponge pudding, and there's a Big guy, the big blonde haired kid from Hull. Didn't know Paul. So Paul went, Are you going to serve me, son, or shall I serve myself? And kid went, You'll get the same as everybody else. So he went, And Chief Screw stood there. He went, Okay, you will. Up. Next day. On my door. Jim. Yeah, no problem. So anyway, we're in. Next minute, all these white T-shirts start coming, running through. Kitchen lads. I know exactly what was going to happen. He went, two minutes, Clyde. I went, all right. I've got, so I never forget, I've got a squat bar on my bike. <laughs> so I'm getting it back so I could like. And the only thing I heard were, boom. Just once. Boom. He's come out. He's run straight into Screw's office, got this towel. He went, go and game that. So when, before you get into Jim in Leeds, you had to come down these stairs. He went, go and game that. And as I walk round corner, this guy is laid on steps with his eyes wide open, split from top of his head straight to the end of his nose. And I honestly thought it was done. So I got towel and just slung it on his head like that and chipped. 
And Sykes, he just carried on fucking doing what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. The, um, wow. Well, you know, Paul Sykes, like, you're all on about hard men and all this, but you've heard of Roy Shaw? Oh, yes. We had his son on. Yeah. Well, Sykes uh, beat him twice. Did he? Yeah, he fought him in all twice. Like, what it were, Sykes, it would being such an hard case. Like, I've got loads of stories about Sykes, like when uh, Charlie Richardson sat in front at telly with his mates and Sykes has come back from wherever. He's walking past telly and Charlie Richardson said to him, Paul, turn telly up. Sykes has walked up to telly, grabbed it and turned it upside down and just walked off. <laughs> <laughs> An old Cockney underworld loved it. Know what I mean? But because yeah. Sykes, he already was, Roy Shaw just got something like a 10 stretch or a 15 and he's on his way to Hull. And all the Cockneys are saying, yeah, you will do now. Like, because at that particular time, I think he was governor in London on with first. So anyway, cut a long story short. I don't really know the, the true story, but Delroy's told me and a guy called David Dunford who were actually there. Uh, they had two fights. One lasted 13 seconds and the other one lasted about 20. So, and Paul would, I don't know if you've ever read it, that book, Hard Bastards. No. Well, it's about all the hard bastards what were in this country. I think one of Cray's missuses wrote it. And Sykes, he weren't in it. But he used to... Mump about it, you say, how come he's in there when I'm not in and I beat him up? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He was coming to see me in Sheffield, Paul. Like, I, he once got off at train and he walked straight in uh, FHM magazine, opened it up, just got off at train, opened it up like that. There was a big picture of him in the middle. It said, Britain's hardest man. All <laughs> like that then. <laughs> Messing, you know. Mm. Did you see him interacting with the guards much? Then was he like, like attacking them or because he, he always like authority? He didn't get along with authority, did he? That's why he ended I, up in prison. I never really saw him attack guards. Like I can tell you about this other guy who had a fight. We, I'm in canteen queuing, waiting to get me stuff, and there was a guy from Newcastle, Freddie Mills. They called him Fred the Ed. Everybody knew him, like, crazy fucker, do you know what I mean? Didn't give a shit about anything. Even Paul Sykes, when they saw each other, it were on. And anyway, I'm in canteen queue, and they both met, so bump, it were up, it were on. But Freddie Mills, in his own way, was a, an ag case, but he wasn't in the same league as Paul. And that's the difference. And Paul battered him. Even though Freddie Mills had started the fight, Paul, you just used to beat him up. So there were a big fat PO who Paul used to listen to, if you know what I mean. He got on with him. So he's walked up to Paul and he said, listen, stop. You know where you're going, don't you? Which he which meant block. He went, yeah, I do. He goes, I want pain first. He goes, right, get in, kill. I'm free behind his gone straight in front of me so screw he's looking for his name like this I don't think 
He went, took screwed. He went to PO. He's already been paid. He went, well, fucking pay him again then. <laughs> Let him get off. So they had to pay him again just so he could go down block. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. What's the story about him and the cat and the hat? I've heard about that. Uh, where did it happen, Walton? I, I thought it happened in Manchester, me. I know Bronson says it happened in Walton. But, yeah, I've heard it, but... It, you never told me. You never said out to me about it. Yeah. Maybe it is true. Like if people actually saw saw him walking about, but I'd like to know how he managed to skin a cat in cell. <laughs> 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 I don't know if it's true. Like he never said no to me about yeah. it ever. And was it true that guards would like threaten young people and say, "Look, you better behave. We're going to put Sykes in with you." Yeah, like Sykes. Yeah, yeah, because they they used to say that to him to YPs and that because. They used to say that Sykes are used to fucking uh, sexually assault, uh, which I have. I've been in a few jails with Paul, and I have. And like, I would only a young kid when I were in jail with him. I've been in fucking showers with him. Never, ever, ever. Not even look at your dodgy. Do you know what I mean? Screws used to say that to keep him quiet. Like, does Paul? If any, if he would have raped anybody like the thing were that he used to say that he used to give them half ounce and a book of matches once he'd done them but it's a load of bollocks because if anybody got raped with a guy in jail they go straight down at office grass him up and then he'd, he'd be ghosted he'd be gone do you know what i mean they won't keep him in jail while while he's doing things like that it's a load of bollocks it's never ever ever been done for anything like that so did you have access to full-on weightlifting equipment then in there back then? Yeah, um, well, I, were, I ended up being a really good powerlifter. I, I broke all inter-senior leagues with squat. Like, I weighed 81 and a half, 81 and a half kilo, which is roughly 12 and a half stone. And I broke all records. Like, I squatted 280 kilo, wow. which is like 611, 612 pounds. So it was near enough four times my own body weight. Oh, yeah. And Sykes, he came up to me and he says, learn me how to lift weights and I'll show you how to punch. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said to me, yeah. And so he started powerlifting with me, training. He wasn't, he wasn't, he was a, he was a big guy, Paul, like really long arms, do you know what I mean? So his lifts with his arms weren't going to be brilliant. Uh, he had good squats. He could squat 240 kilo which is a good squat for any man. You know what I mean? Yeah, so... So he had an incredible reach then when he was punching. Incredible strength as well. You know, yeah. His fist, twice the size of mine, he, yeah. he, he was blow. Did he show you how to punch? Yeah, on bike, he just showed me like, you know what I mean? But yeah. I used to spar with him. And I used to him in first, but every now and again he'd go, bump. In my face, he go, oh, I'm sorry, Clyde, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and rib me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he was all right with me. He didn't, like, take piss and all that. Mm. He didn't hurt me. Yeah. Was he getting visits from his... Did he have a missus back then and kids? Yeah, calf, uh, young pub. Two of his sons are doing life now. Oh, Jesus. What, what, is, is that murder or...? Murder, yeah. I think one killed a copper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's got a little. He had a Down syndrome guy uh, son as well. Yeah, uh, I tell you another story about Paul. I'm at home, and his missus were in labour, 
So he's on his own. So he's phoned me up and asked me to go through. knows for somebody to chat with. So he said to me, do you fancy a drink? I went, yeah, I'll have a drink. Because I knew I was staying there for the night anyway. So I went, come on. So I got in my car, drove to a nightclub in Wakefield, went up to Bouncer, said something to him. Bouncer's walked in and come out with a big crate of red stripe. <laughs> and just getting him. Wow. Oh, yeah. Do, like, once he'd had a bit of beer, Paul, he could change. Do you know what I mean? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He once came to see me again in Sheffield and there was a guy roughly the same age but used to like to have a fight where I were. Uh, and I said to he said to me, Paul, he goes, Come let's go up to your local and meet your mates. I were I were I were a bit reluctant, you know what I mean? But because when he got a bit kettled, like he could he could turn. I was well, I'm going to warn you now, there's somebody out there same age as you what likes to have a fight. He went, oof. He <laughs> was like showing a, a bull a red rag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, what happened when he arrived then? He weren't there, that other guy. Oh, wasn't he? Which I was glad about, so... Yeah. We just got pissed. Uh, and we took him home and I didn't see him for a bit after that. And his life deteriorated, didn't it? So, like, he was homeless and kids were picking on him and stuff. Yeah. And if them guys, had, them young kids, had, would have known what that man was all about in his day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Gaining pound coins to get up and do a bit of sparring and that and yeah. setting him on fire. And I went through a couple of times to find him. I went to see his sister in market and she told me we're young about and... I could, I could never find him. Really? No, it was to help him out, like, give him a bit of money and that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. Mm. Was Lee Duffy in the system around this time as well? Yeah, he was in the system. I didn't know Lee. I never met him because he was more like up Durham area. Yeah. Uh, well, he's from Middlesbrough, but I did get to tell, like, if Sykes and him were in the same jail, they used to keep him apart. Did they? Yeah. Do you think Sykes, he would have knocked the Duff out? Or yeah. Was, yeah. I'm not saying later years, but like in his prime. prime. Oh yeah, well you've got a guy who's a who's a professional fighter, but not only a professional fighter, somebody who likes to fight, <laughs> likes to fight. And what I got told, um, Lee Duffy was a big bully, and he used to sideswipe people as well. Whereas Paul would never sideswipe you. If he got upset here, he'd like put it on you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I had 100 quid, I'd put it on Paul. Put it that way. Who were the other biggest names around then in the system? Well, yeah, Brian Cockrell. Uh, I never met him. Like, different different parts of, like, he's up north, do you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. like, in South Yorkshire. Yeah. Cockrell. Like, I've seen his podcast. He seems a nice guy, do you know what I mean? But... Uh, I don't. I didn't know it says. I knew Tamsers. They were a big family up there. I never got to meet Big Graham either. But I, when I went to Durham, I went to Durham just to like pass through because I were on my way to Acklington. I got Shanghai from Lindholm. Yeah. And uh, um, they sent me right up Acklington, which is about twelve miles from Scottish border. Mm. And they sent me right up there. Wow. So. 
So I was on, when I was in Durham, Sykesy actually came in that time and I, I was on association and these kids come down and said, he's walked through to him, that Paul Sykes. And there were some tricky guys here now sat watching this telly. Yeah. I'm not going to mention the names. Yeah, yeah. But they just stood up and walked to the cells and banged the doors. Wow. Yeah, fucking sights here. Like, if, if you think you're top dog, he's going to have a wanna, he's gonna wanna have a go at it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he yeah. He wants a bite at cherry. <laughs> yeah, serious. Yeah, Jamie sent me um, a poem here about Walton Prison. Delroy Showers wrote, it's a Delroy Showers football poem. Soccer in the lockup. Liverpool Prison, circa 1983, this is. So, refurbed and gleaming prison walls, razors welded to giant snaked wires, German shepherd wolves hurt us all. We first our freedoms in match day high. No beer here in Walton's jail's cop. Yet azure blue skies give game day glow. And come we all to stand in awe of mighty Clyde Broughton in full flow. <laughs> Striker, midfield, or solid back. He's Carl Lewis, so runs like easy. 210 pounds of powerlifter's fury. Brother Clyde Broughton, Yorkist glory. <laughs> Good day, yeah. yeah, so um, how did that come about? What it were, when I used to play for the football team in Walton, they used to let cons out, and I was to watch. Yeah, yeah. To watch, and then, um, Delroy used to come on. Like, I were pals with Delroy. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, like, he's got, this, this, they said these things dodgy about him with, things and that but like again i've never seen it i'm not saying it's not true i'm yeah. not saying it is but you know it, um, never liked that with me but yeah we we were all right me and del and mm. we used to train together as well do a bit of weight del used to own a british record i think it was for deadlifting what the hell is very it? strong delroy yeah got legs big huge legs wow mm. yeah and Johnny Phillips as well, like he was there when I was there. We, he, was, he was a mate of mine. Yeah. Uh, he ended up getting shot. Mm. Uh, he was a powerful lad as well. Yeah. Mm. You, you did a crime apprentice with Dave Lee? Yeah, he was like my mentor when I was at it. Was he? Once we got, once I got through this seven and a half year, I did four year, 10 month, and I ended up doing four year, 10 month. Yeah. So I was like 24 when I got out. Uh, I got back in, I got in with Dave Lee, but then things changed. We started doing jobs. What weren't on spec, it were like people telling us what was actually there. Uh, there were one which were watched for two weeks. Not going to say who it was. Yeah, let's keep that out. Watched for two weeks, and this particular day we knew we were in out at time when they were leaving, when they were coming back. 
and we saw this woman come out and we knew the house was empty. Went in, opened it up. Don't forget then, there weren't cameras on houses and things like that. It was easy, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you just had to go up, pop a window or just boot door open. It was that easy. Um, yeah, we searched out, found little bits of jewellery and bits of money, but we got told that there were something in there, but we just could not find it. And on mm. on way out, we clocked it. It was like, imagine your front door here, and then there, there's a table with a tablecloth over it. But we noticed with this tablecloth, there were no legs on the table. Mm took it off and it was there safe. So we've carried it out, took it to my mate's house, opened it. There were £8,000 in cash and £16,000 worth of jewellery. Bloody hell. Yeah, 19... Early 1985. Couple of 100 grand plus now. Uh, that was a good burglary. Yeah. That was a good burglary. And the thing about it is, no, see... Our burglaries, nobody got hurt. Mm. We weren't wrapping people up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We we started earning our money because people were telling us mm -hmm. what were there. Yeah, and uh, um, that was one. I like to do. I used to like doing my snatches when people were like going to firm with money under the arms and things like that. I was going to do one. <sighs> Very lucky this day. I watched it. These two guys, they were between 10 and 15 grand anyway in this satchel bag, paying people's wages. And they walk in down this road. So my mate's parked right corner. I'm coming behind them to snatch and off. So I'm about... 15 yards away from these guys, my adrenaline's at it, I'm ready. Next minute, this door opened and a pal walked out, who I ain't seen for ages, and he went, all right, Clyde, how are you getting on? That's it. Stopped. <laughs> Couldn't do it. <laughs> Gutted. You know what I mean? Just went, all right, Clyde, how are you getting on? So, couldn't do that. Uh, did another burglary. What I got caught for, I got seen. Uh, I, we ended up going in this pub to meet this guy, this fence, for this stuff what we had. But unbeknown to us, the police was parked outside. They got the registration of the mm. car. The, see, what we used to do, we used to pinch cars. We didn't go in as own cars. We used to pinch cars and then do a job because then to get in a car, it was nothing. You could use other car keys to get in and like just check it about a bit and you were off and um, we did this job up in Sheffield in posh part of Sheffield and we got a hell of a lot of stuff not no money but a hell of a lot of stuff what could be sold uh, so I phoned this guy up and I've told him to come and meet me at this place but unbeknown to me the police have got the reg number of the car and they've seen us pull into this pub car park mm. so when we've got the stuff and this guy's come, we're going to follow him, take it and sell it him. The coppers have all fucking jumped on us down the road. So they've got us back in jail, 
four and a half years <laughs> again. Mm. Uh, that burgling game, like to me, that's only thing I really knew about it. Do you know what I mean? How to earn money and like I did well out in it. I always had money. It, it, it like nineteen seventy eight when you were walking about with like four or five hundred quid in your pockets. It's no joke. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? 1978. Was that punk rock era then starting? Yeah, just starting. Yeah. 25 pence a pint. 25 pence a pint. My first uh, record they ever bought was um, Sex Pistols Holidays in the Sun. Yeah. 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 Sid Vicious. Yeah. yeah. Johnny Rotten. Top yeah. of the Pops. They were banned and all that. God yeah. save the Queen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember punk era. We used to go to a place in Sheffield called Crazy Daisy. Really? Oh, I can imagine it was hopping in Sheffield. Oh, back yeah, then. brilliant. Yeah. 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 yeah the, Were you doing the pogo dance? I didn't do all that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I went into Northern Soul, me. Was you? Yeah, yeah. You can move to Northern Soul? I used to, yeah. What the hell? I used to love Northern Soul. to dance to that. I used to love Northern Soul. We yeah. Casino. I found the pogo quite easy, but Northern Soul. <laughs> Just jumping up and down. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Did you spit at people? I can't remember. All I remember is they had these um, Dr. Martins, purple cordroid yeah. things, and a pierced um, safety pins pierced into my face. Incredible. I was only like 10. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody to their own, innit? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and then... Because that was the time of the miners' strike as well, wasn't it, around then? Did yeah. that affect your dad's work, the miners' stuff? Was he still a miner then or...? No, my dad weren't a miner. Oh, he wasn't he? No, he was a coal man. Oh, a coal man? Yeah, he was... So he, wasn't in, uh, he wasn't in the pit, gotcha. He, nah, gotcha. He, he used to... Deliver coal and things I like see. that. Yeah, yeah. My dad would died when I was in prison. He died when I was in Lindholm in ninety eight. Ninety eight. Yeah. But so, so the miners' strike then did that stop the coal and therefore affect what your dad was doing? No, I think my my dad had to pack up work years ago. Like my dad was getting on. He was like when he had me. Yeah. He was forty six years old. Wow. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and my brother died in 74. My brother died in 74, so my dad was born 1914. So yeah. he was an old man then, really. Yeah. So he didn't work after that. Uh, yeah, he was a good man, my dad. Yeah. Jamie mentioned meeting Ramsey, Shannon, Maudsley. What was that like? This is a Wakefield guy. He's not a sex case or all that. He's a, he's a, he's a double murderer. Like right. he, he did a, a life sentence, and then he got out, met this German bird, and stabbed her about sixty times. One of them. Old saying: he couldn't turn an electric carving knife off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just one of them. Yeah, Ramsey Shannon. He was a character. Him. He, he, Seriously dangerous. Yeah. Serious dangerous. But a nice guy. Like, we're all in Wakefield, it were all gated off all different wings. So we're waiting. Cat A's had to go for the dinners first. So we're waiting to go for our dinner. But we can't go until all Cat A's have been fed. So this screw shouting, Ramsey, Shannon, Shannon. Where are you? So he comes walking downstairs with his shorts on. Screw went, 
I've been waiting fucking 10 minutes for you, Ramsey. Looked at school like that, great posh, and went, patience is a virtue. Wait another fucking 10 minutes. <laughs> Turn around and walk straight upstairs. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Mosley, I met him. Now, this really dangerous, dangerous shit. Uh, I got done for barricading up. What it were... I'm back late from gym. Uh, so I'm, there were no wash basins or toilets or all like that in your pads. So I've had to get a wash basin, good at recess, and fill it full of water. So I'm having a bath, if you like, in this fucking thing. And I was in a three-man cell, but these cells, they were big cells. They weren't like your normal cells. They were big cells. And because I was in with two mates. So I'm washing me fucking arse and all this in this thing. And screws come to spy all. Knows for the last roll check. Shouting me. So I went, I'm here, I'm here, it's all right. He went, show your face. So I've got two big eyes tattooed on my ass, right? So I've walked backwards <laughs> like that. <laughs> and showed him my ass. And he went, you fucking Nick Broughton. I went, oh, whatever, like. So anyway, I'm in with a guy called Patton. He's doing nine years for cutting his bird's throat. Bloody hell. I'm in with a guy called Mick Riley. Who tell me he was a, he was a robber, but this is story as we go on. Like, he told me he was a robber. So, and we... Now then, listen, fucking hell, he used to beat nonsense up for fun. So you're not going to think any different... So anyway, we goes down to, next day, we goes down to kitchens, gets us grub, and we got loads of bread, loads of this, loads of that, because we're barricading up. So anyway, we barricades up, screws come, seen all doors up to, uh, all beds up to doors and that. So um, everything stopped in jail, everything. There's no visits, nobody's going to gym, nobody's going to, Education, nobody's going to work. Lockdown. Lockdown. Everybody's going berserk out on windows because people are expecting visits. Do you know, they want to get out of their cells and that, do you yeah. know what I mean? Anyway, we heard them come outside, so we've got spiles still up. We've told them to leave spiles up, and they've come with fucking jacks, knows to jack door off. Yeah. So Patton has put his head behind bed so they're not gonna do it so anyway we ended up staying in a couple of days but like oh, oh she run out and food all this and like so we decided to come out and we've told them that we want border visitors are there because mufti squad were outside as well do you know like with shields and all that shit so we tell them we want board at least two border visitors there to make sure that no happens to us so anyway we came out and there were two screws to each one of us and a dog. So that that felt great in its end, being a young guy, do you know what I mean? So they took us down F-Wing, Fraggle Rock, we used to call it. Because uh, we're all, they were like, he was there, um, what do you call him now, what killed them? Solicitor, that SAS captain, um, the Fox... Uh, Hutchinson. 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 He was down block there. Uh, 
Robert Mosley. I, I, I didn't know no about Robert Mosley, Ming. So anyway, day after on adjudication, when we've gone down at block, went for his uh, breakfast, we've just fucking smashed all uh, hot plate up, thrown out food all or everything. So anyway, I ends up getting 54 days block. Down there at the time, you couldn't smoke, but you could have a paper every day. You could have a to read. So I goes on as a exercise, got this basketball, I'm booting it about. So directly below me, this this cell. They weren't like our cells, these windows, they, were, they weren't like square windows. They were like long straight and just opened about that much. So I walks past this cell and there's this guy, big guy, fucking long hair, big beard. He went, all right, mate. I went, yeah, all right, pal. He goes, I'm Bob. I went, all right, Bob. I goes, I'm Clyde. He goes, how long are you here for? I goes, 54 days. He went, do you smoke? I went, yeah. So anyway, he puts these roll-ups on windowsill outside, some striking matches and, you know, Screw seen all this. So I get some, pulls me when screw as I'm going in, went, Do you know who that is? I ain't, I ain't got a clue. He says they call him Bobby because it's Robert Mosley. He goes, You know what he did him? I goes, No. He goes, He killed somebody outside. He killed the con in Parkhurst and he's killed two in Wakefield. I thought, Fucking hell. Do you know what I mean? And that, um, Anyway, when I goes back to my pad, he's banging on the ceiling. His pad were unbelievable. He got telly in it. It was a it was a, a cell within a cell, like your normal cell door. You open that, and then there's a cage door with an hatch at bottom. They used to feed him through an hatch. Everywhere he went, six screws. He was a big guy. Uh, dangerous. Extremely dangerous. He, he, like, I think he's been down in Wakefield Block now for 40 years. He'll never go on normal location, ever. Uh, yeah, he killed two two sex cases, uh, put them under his bed. And apparently that's where they got the animal lecture thing from because he's supposed to have, like, caved this guy's skull in and started eating his brains with a spoon. Which really, is, I think, is a load of bollocks. Anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean. But they did call him Hannibal, uh, and then he went up to Screw's office and just pulled this tool out and get it him. But apparently, he told the Screw who were doing roll check that the bodies were under his bed. Wow! But he went down and get it Screw. Can you imagine Screw then, like what he was thinking? He'd have yeah. to keep cool, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because if he showed a bit of fear, he might have got it as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I used to talk to him through a window at night. What like, did he chat about? Well, one occasion we were on about overcrowding in jails. And he just said to me, he just says, don't forget, I, the screw had just told me what all about him. He went, well, I know how to get rid of overcrowding. Easy. I goes, how? Like expecting a conversation, he went, Let me on landing. I'll get rid of most of them. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> you know. But thing is, he'll meant that. It's gotta be a psychopath, hasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah, he's still there. I've I've seen recent pictures of him on well, I'm saying the recent on YouTube. He looks a totally different guy now. So you said he killed those guys with a weapon then? Yeah, he had a weapon. Uh he had a list. And I think there was a screw on it as well. Was there? Mm. Talked some shit to him or something. Well, yeah, he'll have said something to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he were doing rapists and child molesters, which I, not a bad thing, really, is it? And he, he wants a fucking medal, really. Well, we put that online, asked the public, and like 90, almost 100% were for convict justice of sex offenders. Yeah. 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 Wants yeah. a medal. Uh, yeah, but he'll never go on normal location. Money with menaces. What happened there? What that were, this guy owed me some money and he were, he wouldn't, he weren't getting it, man. So I've gone up, threatened him and he's grasped me up. It weren't a bad, it weren't a lot of money at the time, might have been about four or five hundred quid, but he owed it, man, and he didn't want to get me, so I threatened him and he bubbled me. So, you owe someone money and just grass them up. That's chicken shit, isn't it? Yeah, but there's there's a little story to this as well. I went to court, I got a 12-month bender, suspended sentence. So, anyway, I goes in this pub and I got done for glassing somebody, which didn't happen. What it were, this person threw a punch at me and I've lift my hand up to block the hand, but it had my glass in it, and it's caught me. I'd cut about four stitches in first. And that's what happened. Uh, now, in this person's statement, when they bubbled me about it, they said that we were in a face-to-face confrontation of a foot. Now, if I went to glass someday within a foot, there's no way you're getting out of here, and it's getting you. It's fucking smashing your face in, do you know what I mean? So anyway, I've got to leave Nick on remand for this. I'm on remand eight months. Uh, day at trial, which I'm going not guilty, the judge has sent my barrister down and said he would do a deal with me if I stick my hands up. He'll knock it down for some, from Section 18 wounding to Section 20 grievous bodily harm. He says, what do you think about that to me? I says, well, tell the judge, because I'd done eight months on remand. I said, tell the judge, I'll do that, and I'll have, I'll accept 18 months. So then I'd only got four months to do. Because then you had to do 12 months. It was like two-thirds of your sentence, not half. So he's gone up, tell them, he goes, comes back, he goes, yeah, but fucking hell, He'll do that. Judge Michael Walker, chicken neck. Fucking horrible, horrible looking fucking judge he Up there with pickles. Yeah, he was an horrible bastard, but he looked horrible as well. He looked like a fucking chicken. <laughs> and anyway, uh, I goes up, I'm full of beans. My missus has sat up back at court. I'm like that. So anyway, how do you plead? Guilt air, section 20, yeah. So anyway, he goes, Mr. Broughton. Thank you, you've saved all this time. I sentenced you to 18 months imprisonment. I'm thinking, thank you very much. He goes, but you're in breach of a 12-month suspended sentence. This is where that 
demanding money with menaces goes in. So he went, that will come into effect as well, two and a half years. So from mm. 18, doing another four, I ended up doing another fucking 20 months. Mm. That's how they shafted me. <sighs> and I didn't even glass the person and all. It fucking did my head in that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Was that the pub you referred to, the horse and lion? Or horse that... and lion, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got married in prison, Lindholm. Yeah. Well, how did that come about? That came about because when you're doing over 12 months in prison, they take your council take your house off you. Oh, did they? Yeah. Well, they did then. And uh, uh, I was talking to a screw and I said, um, how can I get round it so they don't take house off us? He was get married. That was it. So talked to my missus about it and we wanted to keep out you know what I mean so that's why we got married so we could keep out <laughs> great shotgun wedding and all she turned up in an escort <laughs> yeah an escort okay, you know. right performance <laughs> were the riots at that prison yeah Lindholm brilliant what did it kick off over you had billets and there were no gates on ends you could like you could move about do you know what I mean uh, don't really know what, what it was worth. I think it was just these guys wanted to cause bollocks. And this guy, I'll never forget, he walked in my billet and he's got a box on his head with eyes cut out. <laughs> and he went, we're writing, if you want to help us, you're welcome. If you're not, just stay in your billets. I'm fucking daft. I'm not writing, know what I mean? Fuck that. I've got no to write for. So um, anyway, it all kicked off. Everything was on fire. We all had to go to the visit room to... Then I was like, so they knew where everybody were, all them what weren't involved, went to the visiting room. Some of my pals went on riots. Yeah, first thing they did, they broke into canteen, <laughs> nicked old tobacco, broke into fucking... Uh, medical centre got all wobbly eggs <laughs> all barbs all uh, diazepans tamazepans and that I was just sat in visiting room me pals walking up just gave me uh, a pillowcase full of fucking tobacco which I had to bury after you know what I mean yeah 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 but it was like Grand National as well everybody was jumping off fence going yeah <laughs> I was there for two uh, the first one was Beston was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First thing with a gun. So you have a son with your missus. And you're in the prison while this is happening. Oh, no. The birth. He, the birth. Yeah, he, he, that was him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, do you know what that were? I got done for a driving offence. And this is how sick, they, sick these judges are with me. They put me in front of a stipendary magistrate for a driving offence. Yeah. It's fucking mental. This guy's going to be a judge. What, what's he want to deal with me for? <laughs> so anyway, he gave me four months in prison just for a driving offence. And I told him, I goes, my son's going to be born in two weeks' time. Can't you just oh, let me out? Bastards, I was like, it's my first son. Yeah. Fucking sent me to jail for four months. Yeah. <laughs> Did we do the getting shanghaied over a dozen eggs? Yeah, that was funny, that. 
uh, I was in old jail. So I worked in kitchen and I worked on bakers with me. The guy who I padded up with, Tommy Mason, he was uh, the number one in kitchen. He sorted everything out. And I'm watching and the guy, this guy's put six eggs on his tray. So I'm thinking, you fucking greedy cunt. Like, I'm, I want some of that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I went, right. So I walked up. I put these six eggs on my tray. So it's screw when don't know, you can't have that many eggs. I goes, well, what about him? He went, he cooked him. Just like that. So I went, are you shagging him or what? No, sit screw. I went, are you shagging him? <laughs> Fucking Scotch bloke he were. Campbell, they called him. Horrible <laughs> cunt. I went, are you shagging him? So he went, get back to your fucking cell. Oh, I knew exactly what was happening now. I'm like, this is all. And my mate, Tommy, he over a Macam, he was from Sunderland. Really nice kid. He's come back. I goes, what are you doing? He goes, well, if they're fucking sacking you, they're sacking me as well. So what they did to fuck us up again, they sent me to Acklington from Doncaster. Uh, no, from Hull, sorry. From Hull. And they sent my mate, who's a Mackham from Sunderland, to Lindholm. So by rights, should have sent me to Lindholm and him to Acklington. Yeah, for nine weeks. Nine weeks left. And my fucking bird were having to come on probation bust. <sighs> yeah. You know what I mean? So the travellers try and like, get one over on you with the cockfighting. Yeah. What happened there? Uh... I used to fight birds cockerels not with spurs on just free fighting like we we used to like to watch a a good fight do you know what i mean one what like because when they've got spurs on it can be over quickly so we just like to see a free fight and i arranged to fight on this gypsy camp uh with prices caesar price they called him so i've took my bird down starts Anyway, my bird's doing really good, getting it some fist, if you like. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, um, Anyway, next minute, this little gypsy kid has ran up to my bird and booted it. So, by rights then, my bird's won because there's been interference. Two minutes later, a Jack Russell's run up to it and bit it. Oh, God. So my bird's turned, shot off. So anyway, I paid kid money and I says, you might as well have that bird as well. So I goes home, goes in my local pub that night, my pal Wally, he goes, what have you been up to today? So I told him the script. He goes, tell me about cockfight. So I goes, where did he first started? His bird was running away, then mine were chasing it. He went, what? We're running away? I went, yeah. He goes, you've won. He went, as soon as that bird turns, it's like a boxer. He turns his face, like Sykes with John Old Gardner. Like when he, when you when they turn and start running, that's it. It's over. This is like eleven o'clock at night. Is so I went your car outside. He was yeah. All right, come on. So we shot down to this gypsy camp, and it's it that time it was the biggest gypsy camp in Sheffield at Tinsley, huge. So I drives on, goes outside this caravan, I'm banging on door. Next minute, all the lights are coming on on caravans and all this and all coming out with the shirts off and listening so I just told the Caesar and you're and 
I told him, I goes, you're a bird fucking lost this fight. I went, everything, I goes, it twirled, it didn't want to. I goes, where is my bird anyway? I want it back. So he gave me my money. I went, where's bird? He went, it's in a horse box around the back of my caravan. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, fucking going round here. So anyway, I did go. And it was there just like perched on this thing. So I grabbed it. And as I'm walking out, he's got an English bull terrier there. I grabbed that, picked it up because I'm having that bastard as well. Slung it in car. Best thing about that dog, it was tone deaf. <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason why I know that is because when I was to go out and then come back, the dog never barked and it would be fast asleep. And yeah. if I prodded it, it would up, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it was tone deaf, so... Yeah, that would have done you did 18 months for shoplifting? It weren't shoplifting, Sean. No. What it were? It were counterfeit credit cards. Ah. And what happened were, they didn't go through the swipe because there were none of that electric stuff on them. They were, we were having them made. They were costing 300 quid each. These Asian guys were doing it. But we were guaranteed a £2,000 transaction from him. And we used to buy as many as we could to order. And what it were, there'd be a name on the credit card. So what we did, we had to find an address. So when we went out in town, we used to go in a post office and we used to say, the road across road, across from post office, what's postcode on there? So the gate's postcode, then we go on the road, find the number, and because it didn't go through swipe, no details came up. So we were hitting everything, we were getting like all electrical stuff, we were like a £2,000, sometimes we were doing like three a day. A £2,000 transaction, and we were selling everything at half price. So then big Toshiba tellies, like what had just come out then, they were like 1500 quid each. We were getting them and selling them at seven fifty, and we were doing like three a day. Wow! So we were earning money, and how that came on top were very stupid. We did this job at Burstall, uh, which is like in Yorkshire near Leeds, and I got a telly out in there. So on way back towards Sheffield, we decided to go and hit one in Wakefield. Now, we've gone to Wakefield and tell, asked for this telly because they were all to order. And they said, we ain't got one, but we've got one at Batley if you want to go. Now, we've just been at Burstall, but Burstall is in Batley. <laughs> so we've gone, and we've gone this other way. And they phoned up to ask about it, and he says, like, well, we've just done this. Two guys have just been. He goes, well, the same guys. They must be. What's not? What's name? Owls. That's the name what was on... Uh, card so when we've got there and we've got drove a different way but when i pulled in car park i thought to myself i thought fucking hell we've been here haven't we so anyway we went in fucking busies were waiting for us but they called it shoplifting mm. now i can't whether they didn't have i know it were like fraud but whether they did not see no like it before do you know what i mean so yeah. they just put it down to shoplifting and i got 18 months for it which prison that time well, Leeds. Leeds. I had to go to Leeds. Then I went to Rambe. Yeah. Uh, from there. 
So this documentary then, uh, how did that come about, Smoking with the Hawk? Smoking with the Hawk was a, a pool hustle. Like, I set this pool match up, two guys, uh, for £4,000 each. Uh, I just set it up and everything went on. What it were, these guys were, were doing these documentaries and that. They came to see me and asked me if they were out happening, what they could film us doing. And at the time, I was like organising a pool match. So they followed us about and... Saw so you raising the money and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that and... Yeah, we're all right. It, I'd red carpet out, got a standing ovation and that. We're on at pictures for two nights. Was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in Sheffield, yeah, we're brilliant. And what's with you and the Hawk? I used to fly birds of prey. Yeah. Yeah, I used to love birds of prey and getting into the reds and finding out what weights they were, you know, like to fly them because they have two different weights. One's for flying, one's for hunting. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a scene where you're feeding one, isn't it? Yeah. Very powerful scene, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So today you've come in and you've shown me some extremely graphic photos of your arm with massive machete wounds. Yeah. How did that come about? I used to have this uh, Cane Corso dog and he was were, were, were a bit aggressive. Like, he weren't, he were more man, man aggressive than. Uh, dog aggressive and he got out this particular day and he's gone on this garden and he started having a fight with his Alsatian so this guy has come round tell me about it so I've gone round got it I went if there's out wrong with dog let me know and I'll pay for that so he's come round and said it's got an hole in its skin so I went round looked at it an hole about as big as that just a skin wound so I thought wait 50 quid Course of antibiotics, couple of stitches. This was like 2003. So, anyway, a couple of days later, he came back and he gave me a, a receipt for 450 quid. Trying it on. I went, I ain't paying it. I was like, that's for cool. I was, it's a skin wound. I was, it's not flesh. I was, it's not. Because I weren't stupid. I knew what. So he just walked off. Uh, one day, I'd been with my lads to uh, McDonald's, come back. I believe were uh, 13-year-old. I Danny were nine. Gets out car. My oldest lad had walked up, uh, enter, but my youngest lad were with me. And he saw this guy walking down with some at the side of him here. So he went, Dad, he's coming. He's got something in his hand. So I looked and I thought, it's a rounder's bat. So I thought, right, I'm going to fucking have a go at him. So um, he's walked towards me. My son, he won't move. He won't go. I tell him to move and he won't go. He was like scared and he wanted to stay with me. So I've tried to push him out way neck and through my eye, I've seen him come all like this. So I've put my hand up. Boof. Never felt it. Smashed him, got on the floor, looked at my hand like that. I'm thinking, you know, what's up? I can't close my hand. And it just, as I looked at it like that, 
I've got my leg on his arm. I could have took machete off him and done him. I looked at my hand and it just went, and I felt it all ripping, nose as it was going down. So I just got up and chipped and I went to my mates because it, it put me about a bit. So I went to my mate's house and he saw it in my heart. And I got this T-shirt on. He went, what's wrong with the top of your arm? <sighs> Fucking took my shirt off and all muscle was sticking out of my arm. <sighs> yeah. Um, although a vet bill, black guy, uh, gained on a bit as well, about 50 years old. Uh, but he'd done it before as well. And when he went to court, they were a professor of pathology, a forensic scientist what dealt in blood spates. The professor of pathology says it was done in a chopping motion. He says, I've seen wounds like this before. It's a defensive wound. It's done in a chopping motion with a, an ever sharp knife, machete, hatchet. The uh, forensic scientist said the uh, who dealt in blood spates, different blood spates for how hard you've been here. And these blood spates were big. Said, yeah, it's been done with an heavy object. Uh, there were a couple of witnesses behind curtains who didn't want, us, want, him, want him to see their faces, who actually saw it. Uh, he had one character witness who he met at a bowling alley who said that he'd never seen him... Raise his voice, never mind all wrong. <laughs> he admitted he had the machete. He said, I fell on it. My barrister said, twice, because there's two wounds. And he said, yes. <laughs> this is how lucky or unlucky I am. Trust oh, me. He got a not guilty. Oh, my goodness. He got a not guilty. <sighs> He'd done it before in Germany. And, like, people were starting to think, like, uh, he was grassing. He was grassing some people up and things like that, but... Does that mean... Even if you're a grass, you shouldn't be able to fucking get away with things like that. Does that mean you couldn't claim for the criminal compensation? No, I couldn't. That's messed up. No, I couldn't. You have, you have to be out in trouble for 13 years or something before oh, you can claim, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my wife, my kids got something. Yeah. I think they got about 10 grand each or something. Right. You know what I mean? Through trauma because yeah. my youngest lad, he still has night traumas. I'm not saying it's down to that, but he still has night traumas. Yeah. It's a heavy thing to see. Mm. Yeah. It is. So what's life like for you now, Clyde? Well, I'm all right. Uh, I stopped doing crime roughly about, when I got out in 99, because my kids, I ain't spent much time with them. Yeah. And I wanted to spend time with my kids and watch yeah. them grow up, because my oldest lad were born while I were in, in shovel. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I saw my youngest born, and you have to make a choice, don't you? Of course, yeah. Do you want, want to carry on going to jail for the rest of your life, or do you just want to settle down and be with your kids when they're growing up? Yeah. So I just chose that, I mean. And what do you say to young people who are tempted to get into crime these days? Don't do it. Uh, I know it's hard to say, like, because, like, 
most of the kids now what are brought up, they ain't got dads and they just rely on the mother and the but it's not worth it because eventually now you're not gonna get jail what I got, you're gonna get a hell of a lot of jail and you'll be away from your families a hell of a long time. Uh I know it's hard, but there's things you can do to earn money working or even help other people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, huge thank you to Clyde for coming on. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Like I said at the very beginning, you know, I read it, the description from the back, Clyde's book, Jailhawk. It will be in the description box below this video. I'll also put a link down there for the documentary as well. Um, if you guys want to check that out, huge thank you to Jamie Boyle for arranging this. We'll put his stuff down there as well. And um, if you want to subscribe to the channel, subscription logo is in the bottom corner of the screen. Huge thank you to all the new subscribers and huge thank you to people who've gone down and clicked on our donation links and our social links and all of our playlists as well. All right. Cheers, Clyde. Really appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done.